Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Today we have an esteemed panelist. I always have a great conversation with her and uh, this wonderful wealth of knowledge, uh, brilliant, brilliant attorney, Monica Ireland Karras. Uh, she is a veterans benefits attorney with Tayback Law Firm based out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, with offices located across the USA. Uh, today's discussion is going to be surrounding the issue of refiling old claims that were previously denied by the VA. Hi, 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 Monica. It's so always an uh, honor to have you on this show. Hello, Dr. Arnold. It's so nice to hear from you again. Yes, yes. <laughs> so uh, why don't you lead us into this discussion, the refiling of uh, old claims, because many uh, veterans have a confusion about it. They don't know whether they can. They don't know how to do it. So, you know, walk us through that process and how veterans should uh, be approaching this issue. Sure, Absolutely. Um, you know, a lot of our veterans will file a claim and get denied and either fight with the VA for a little while and then be done with it or just take the um, initial denial and, you know, not do anything with it. And the bottom line is that the VA um, owes our veterans certain um, duties when we file for a claim. And the, vet- the VA um, has a duty called the duty to assist the um, veteran in the claims process. So sometimes when we are reviewing old files, what we are finding is there is a veteran who had a sound, grounded claim sometime in the past, and the VA failed to do their duty to assist this error, or I'm sorry, this veteran, and it's an error on the part of the VA. And what that basically means um, is that, you know, the veteran had a diagnosed disability. They met all the criteria of being a veteran for the purposes of VA. And they either had an in-service event that was clear in the records or an in-service event they could attest to or something that has come down the line later, um, like what we see out of the Agent Orange cases, what we see out of Gulf War, that Gulf War illness that's sneaking up on people that's, you know, very hard to pinpoint. So we're really um, encouraging people with old claims to try and file again, because if there was a significant error on the part of the VA, you may be able to get your effective date to go back to the date of your original filing. Um And even if you can't, sometimes rules have changed enough that something you weren't qualified for then, you are qualified for now because the rules have become more lax. You know, a good example of that is the mental health issues and PTSD and how our veterans coming out of the war in the 70s um, were not getting any acknowledgement of a mental health issue. they were often being told they have what's called an adjustment disorder, which is just what it sounds like, coming away from something and having um, problems adjusting to civilian life, Um, only to find that these things have stayed with them for years and years and years. 
So we are really encouraging our veterans to refile those old claims that got denied a long time ago and just take another swing at it. You know, there are significant benefits out there um, that are not always monetary. There is health care benefits you can qualify for. There are state benefits, depending on where you live, that you can qualify for. There are GI Bill benefits that may not have been um, available to you before. So we're really pushing people to go ahead and refile those old claims. You know, uh, you know. before we go any further, Monica, can you give everyone the telephone number to call you? Because I think this is something that veterans need to be aware of and that you have the services that are um, actually, you know, have actually produced a lot of great results. You've uh, talked before on some of the people you've helped, and I just um, I really thank you for, you know, helping those uh, veterans that are out there. Uh, but if you can give us, like, where cheap loops should go for your website and for the phone number. Hi. Um, Monica? Oh, here we go. I'm trying to get my dog to be quiet. Oh, oh that's fine. <laughs> I, I love dogs, too. So. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, he's a great little guard dog at the exact wrong moment. Um, that, that number is 414-375-1735. Again, that's 414-375-1735. Um, and our website is tabak, T-A-B-A-K, attorneys.com. You can find us there. You can find us on our Facebook account. Um, you know, there's a lot of ways to get in touch with us or, you know, just do some research on what it is we do. And uh, as much uh, to my chagrin, tabak for the payback is what uh, sticks in your mind. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, also, you know, the um, one of the things I always have a question about, because the VA, uh, you know, pretends uh, to have uh, this uh, position that they have, uh, you know, everything under control as far as your, you know, service-connected disabilities and all those kinds of things. And we do have another group of people, but, do, um, you know, do you work with and can a uh, VSO be helpful in this process? Or what are some of the things that you advise people to do as far as approaching this issue? It would be going to your website, of course, and the telephone number is, um, you know, 414-375-1735. But what, what can other people, uh, what can they do in order to uh, make sure that their claim is being processed properly? If you are filing a claim for the very first time and you've never filed a claim before, your best option is to contact the local VSO or to do it through eBenefits. eBenefits is pretty easy these days if you can work your way around the web and file that initial claim if it is something you've never, ever filed for before. VSOs are great resources for our veterans. Um, mm-hmm. Law firms can do what VSOs can do just a little bit better. And, what I mean by that is sometimes VSOs get to the end of their rope because they can't do things like get outside medical opinions for you. Um, they, they can't do things um, unless they have a lawyer on staff interpreting the law and the yes. statutes. Um, become. So when you get to that point where you're, you, know, you have a VSO who's filing your forms, putting in the right documents, and you just don't feel like you're getting anywhere, that's also a good spot to call us at and that we can help you and we can get the proper opinions 
Um, I can tell you from personal experience, and right now it's, I don't know if the right word is better than ever or worse than ever, but I'm finding so many legal issues um, with these um, decisions, whether it's an agency decision or a board decision or a court decision. Um, And that's kind of the flow of your claim, if you will. You start at the VA at the agency level, and if you don't like what they do, you go to the board. If you don't like what they do, you go to the court. Um, And the courts have been telling me, a lot lately that the way the board is interpreting the law is incorrect and they will Mm -hmm. be sending it back. Um, I have a claim right now that is pending from 1960 um, that the court of appeals just sent back to the board um, for reinterpreting laws because they did it wrong. So Mm -hmm. this is a gentleman (laughs) that was in world war two and is still fighting about his claim um, based on the way that the board interpreted, um, you know, their, their claim and, and the law. And, and, it be, and, and in, in instances like that, especially when we're talking about re-adjudicating old claims, that's when the law becomes a little, um, with someone that you need a lawyer on your side, I guess is the best way to put it. Yes. Because yep. you're talking about the legal issues. You're talking about what the law was at the time that you filed your claim and what the law is now mm-hmm. and what the duty of the VA was according to the old law and according to the new law and if there was a problem in there. And I can tell you I've got paralegals and law clerks and um, associate attorneys that are just tearing these you know, statutes and case law apart because it's so very complicated, um, mm-hmm. which is is really unfortunate because it shouldn't be that complicated. The whole purpose of the VA service-connected disabilities is to help the veteran. It's supposed to be what's called a non-adversarial process. We're not supposed to be fighting. But unfortunately, we end up fighting sometimes. Oh, boy. Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know what is the board who who makes up the board is that part of the government or is that like a, an elected uh, group of people or I'm not sure of what the board is so this uh, it's a little um, legal heavy if you will okay. but everything that we do at the VA level everything that we do with what's called the agency so that's the VA itself Mm-hmm. And the board, which is who we go to when we don't like the VA's decisions, because really the VA's decisions are being made by decision review officers. And those are not lawyers. Those are not judges. Those are just people hired by the VA to adjudicate your claim. And when we don't like what they do, we ask the board, who are judges, to take a look at what they did. The board are administrative judges that are appointed. Um Fortunately or unfortunately, a lot of those um, judges are previous VA employees themselves. Um, kind of like when you, you talk about local court levels and you see municipal judges that were DAs for a very long time. Oh boy, yeah. um, <laughs> we kind of have the same situation within the VA system. Now, the VA itself, the agency, is kind of like Social Security when you think about it. It is what's considered in the executive branch of government. So when you think of courts and when you think of going to court and divorces and tickets and things like that, that is all a function of the judicial branch of government. Mm. 
when we are just dealing with the agency at the agency level, that's a function of the executive branch of government, which is basically something that serves at the pleasure of the executive or the president, for that matter. So when we are talking about anything happening at VA level or board level, that is still considered an executive function. When we start to talk about things like the Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims, the federal courts, the Supreme Court, we have taken your claim out of that executive branch of government and moved it into the judicial branch of government. And those judges um, are different than our administrative judges. So, And I have to give a huge round of applause to our Court of Appeals judges because they are fantastic. They know what they're doing. They give good opinions. They ask good questions. And they're polite and nice, and they respect the veterans, and they respect counsel. So the Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims is just great all the way around. Oh, boy. That's, that's great news to know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, kudos to them for, be, you know, being the kind of people that um, – or stand up and actually listen to um, the veterans' needs and uh, to the things that you bring before them. So I'm, I'm really happy to hear that. That's, you know, it made my day <laughs> just hearing that. Well, that's so we good. Have... <laughs> that's, I, they are there. And actually, um, I had the opportunity, or the last opportunity I had to meet them before COVID um, was in Chicago at the John Marshall Law, Law School. Oh, yeah. They actually held a hearing there. Um, and a lot of John Marshall grads go on to uh, work for the VA. So one of the attorneys that was representing the secretary, uh, the Secretary of Veterans Affairs at this hearing was a John Marshall alumni. So I got the chance to meet um, the law clerk, and I got the chance to meet um, a number of the judges, and they're just, I can't say what great people they are. Wow. That, that, that's fantastic. <laughs> um I'm just putting kudos down on my paper for this group. <laughs> uh, uh, so, uh, so uh, you know, tell us a little bit more. Um, what what are some of the things that you feel that veterans need to know when they're bringing these claims forward? Because if it's been a while, um, you know, sometimes you lose paperwork or you uh, try you, you have to go and try to find out where things um, have been filed pre- previously before, or even sometimes family members have to assist veterans if they are. Uh, disabled, um, you know, severely disabled. So what kind, right. of, what kind of advice do you give them? Um, well, you know, one of the things to always remember is the veterans' um, claims are for people who are veterans. So you have to have served for at least three days. You have to have um, a discharge that was not dishonorable. If it was, I can work with it. I can try and see what I can do with it because, unfortunately, some of those dishonorable discharges are due specifically to a mental health illness. Huh. And um, so sometimes we can work with that. But, you know, we've talked in the past about having good records and having good paperwork. And, you know, a lot of people are um, don't like treating at the VA. They have private insurance and they'd rather treat somewhere else. When you make that claim, you have to make sure the VA has at least access to those claims from private treatment records. Um, you can fill out a form that will allow them to get all of them, or if you have them in your possession, to get them to the VA. That's very important. Um, if you have your old service treatment records, if you have your old um, official military personnel file, those are all things that are helpful because oftentimes when I get the copy of them, they are either incomplete or non-existent. 
Um, of course, your DD-214 is very important. If you have a DD-215, that's important as well, which is the, um, if you had changes made to your DD-214, it will come on a 215 form. Um, those forms are very important as well. But there's things that are important that people forget about, um, especially when I have people, and, and this is very unfortunate, but I'm seeing it very often right now. We have people that served overseas, and we can't place them there. But there is no record they were in Vietnam. There is no record they were in Okinawa. There is no record that they were in Kosovo. When we have things like that come up, things like letters you wrote home, um, if those have existed, those are very powerful pieces of evidence. If you took pictures of yourself or the people you were with when you were overseas, those hold power as well if you still have those. Um, sometimes people save newspaper clippings of things that happened when they were overseas. Those things are helpful as well. There's all sorts of little things that can be helpful, when, especially when you're dealing things with things like they can't place you in country, there are lost service treatment records, there's no personnel file, or the only personnel file that I have on you is just a bunch of Article 15. <laughs> you know, that's not really helpful. Right. Um so there's, there's just a number of things. The other thing is that um, people sometimes forget about is we can do something that's called a buddy statement. And those are just statements from people that you either served with or that knew you before you went in, while you were in, and after you came out that can attest to whatever the injury is that you're claiming. Those hold power. Um, if you have been married to the same person since, you know, prior to your um, enlistment or deployment, those um, those are powerful testimonies. And I can tell you the one that I'm seeing over and over again right now uh, is sleep apnea. And get people to attest to the difference um, in sleeping. Uh, the VA has only recently, probably within the last two years, started to acknowledge that um, sleep apnea can actually come as a result of PTSD. Um, so we've been winning those recently, um, but for a long time we won't. We weren't. That's a great example, actually, of one of these old claims you should refile. If you filed for sleep apnea five years ago, you should refile now because they are starting to look at those differently, and the examiners, um, the compensation and pension examiners, have new literature and new rules that you could possibly get approved at this time. And sleep apnea can be a 30 or 50, even a 70% rating if it's really um, disabling. Um, so, yeah, that's a good example of one of those. You should go ahead and file if, um, if you did in the past and, and you got denied, especially if you have specifically PTSD. If you have known stressors that... Um, we hit all the criteria for PTSD. We have finally gotten somewhere with sleep apnea. Um, and that's a little interesting, and I'm sure you can attest to this as a doctor. Uh, for a long time, the medical community was telling us that is just a breathing issue or an issue with your airways. That has nothing to do with your brain or how you think. And that's what we were told for a really, really long time. Uh. Yeah. And now they're starting to tell us that's not, not the case. Exactly true. That, <laughs> right. that that is something that you know can be caused. So right. That's, right. Um, that's right. They're changing their tune on that. I don't know, Doctor Arnold. Can you tell me 
um, you know, I oftentimes am dealing with the DSM-5 or the old versions or the, the updates they give me when it comes to mental health. Mm-hmm. When we're talking about things like specific, you know, medical conditions, is there a Bible like that that the, the mental health community has? Is there a Bible like that for, for you all, for the doctors? Well, you know, actually, the, the things that people really refer back to is uh, some of the, inter, you know, in training and those kinds of things that you actually um, are experienced. But it's pretty, it's pretty limited. Um, if you're going into physical medicine, uh, unless you're going into psychiatry or into um, neuropsychiatry or even into neurosurgery, uh, you know, the, the uh, training for that is not as uh, in-depth. Uh, there are some providers who do treat uh, depression and those kinds of things, but usually refer cases out where you have more in-depth uh, mental health issues that are going on. Uh, but the DSM-5 is really was a radical uh, movement away from the DSM-4, you know, the prior and uh, DSM-4R, but the prior editions of it, um, and they actually started to reclassify uh, mental health uh, issues in a different way. Uh, and it's uh, it's really interesting that that transition that they made um, with the DSM-5. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that th- that the amount of information that people have, and this is you've spoken about this before about you know going out to a private provider and whether they are adequate at addressing some of these issues, right? Because um, especially in the in service connected uh, issues. And uh, that's why going to a specialist uh, that's different from maybe even your personal provider may be very beneficial, as you were indicating a little earlier. Right. And, you know, just to to mention briefly, there's the traumatic brain injuries, too, Mm -hmm. that can mimic mental health um, problems that that's a different doctor. Yeah, we're running out of time, Monica. We, we we can talk for 48 hours, I know, on these shows. Can we? <laughs> we could. And uh, so I'll be, uh, we'll be reaching out with the next show. We have a, a, you know, some more questions I wanted to ask you about a couple of the points you brought up. Uh, but uh, we go, we're going to stay with us. I just wanted to really thank our par- partner and sponsor, Tabak Law Firm, LLC. They're doing wonderful jobs for our, our veterans and for their families uh, because it's a family affair as well. And Monica Ireland Karras, uh, uh, you are an attorney extraordinaire. Uh, thank you for all the work you do for us. And, and thank you, Dr. Arnold, for everything. Thank you for your service. Thank you for doing this show. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.